Hi everyone, welcome to another week of Rav Desla Pasha podcast. This week, I want to be able to take on the classic question about hardening Pharaoh's heart. Hashem says to Moshe, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And then when it goes through the plagues, originally it says, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then it says afterwards, Hashem hardened his heart. Now, if Pharaoh wants to harden his heart, okay, so do what you like. But how can it be that Hashem almost takes away Pharaoh's free will and hardens his heart? And more than that, not only is it a question about how can you take away his free will, but then you're going to punish him and you're going to cause all these plagues and he's going to suffer. How's that fair? He's just a puppet. How can you how can you blame Pharaoh? How can you punish Pharaoh when it's no longer Pharaoh, but it's Hashem? So when you take all the Mufashim, all the commentators, it, it seems to be that you can really put them into two camps. One camp, you could say that's the, the Rambam, the Rambam's first answer, Ibn Ezra, Kedis Yishak, and many others, is that Hashem hardening Pharaoh's heart is taking away his free will. You do something wrong so many times, you abuse the gift of free will. Hashem says, I'm sorry, I'm taking it away from you now. That is one camp. The other camp, we can call that <coughs> the Ramban's second answer, the Safano and others, is that by hardening Pharaoh's heart, it's not taking away his free will. Is precisely the opposite. By hardening Pharaoh's heart, you're actually giving him free will. So let's look at this one, because this side is easier, and then we'll go to the side of um, taking away free will. So how can it be, by hardening Pharaoh's heart, you're giving him free will? Well, Hashem says to Pharaoh, let the Jewish people go. He says, no, and then he gets battered by blood. So Pharaoh says, ouch, okay, fine, I'm going to let them go. And then he says, let them go. And Pharaoh says, no, I don't want to let them go. All right, you're going to get it with frogs. Now you're going to let them go? Well, I guess so. And he gets battered and battered every single plague. When a person gets battered every single time, what do you want from me from Hashem? Okay, fine, I'll let them go. Do I want to let them go? Of course I don't want to let them go. But if I don't, I mean, it's like it's like a game of mercy. You pull, you know, twisting his arm. Ow, ow, okay, I'll let them go. That's called free will. Pharaoh doesn't have free will. He's coerced into letting the Jewish people go. So how's Hashem going to give him free will? I'll tell you what, I'm going to toughen you up. I'm going to harden your heart. And therefore, when you let the Jewish people go, you're not doing it because you've been beaten into submission, but rather you're letting them go because you choose to do it. So Hashem hardens Pharaoh's heart because if he didn't, he'll be battered into submission and his heart needs to be hardened so that now he can really choose to let them go. So that simply explains the side where hardening Pharaoh's heart gives him free will. But what I want to mainly focus on is the other side. The side which says that when you do an Aveira enough times, your free will is taken away. Let's look at this a little bit deeper in the eyes of Avdesla. It says in Gamal Kedushim, Duff Mem, if you do an Avera once, you feel bad. You have this cold sweat. You feel, you know, you feel terrible. You have classic Jewish guilt. You do an Avera a second time, then it's meh. It's nasekaheta. It's like, it's allowed. Uh, I'm not doing anything wrong. But if you keep on doing it, then it becomes as if it's a mitzvah. 
You feel bad speaking Lashon Hara the first time, second time. It's like, yeah, you get used to it. The third time? What do you mean? It's a mitzvah! It's a mitzvah for me to talk badly about about this person. They have to know the truth! How, how in psychological terms would you call that? What would you call this process that originally the person feels bad and then they start, you know, not feeling bad after a while. They get used to it. What would you call that? I'll tell you what you call it. It's called a bad habit. What does it mean that Pharaoh's free will was taken away? This is not a once in in a in the whole of humanity a situation which is a break from the norm. This happens every single day to each and every one of us. Pharaoh had a bad habit. Hashem created the world in that if you do something wrong once, then you feel bad about it. You feel twice, it doesn't feel so bad. More times, more times. In the end, Nasa commits for your free will is taken away. Originally, you understand and you feel how terrible it is what you've done, but then after a while, you just get used to it. But now comes the question, why? Why would Hashem create a world with the concept of habit? Now, you can't answer because what do you mean? Because habit's habit. No, Hashem created that. If Hashem created the concept of habit, there has to be a reason why he did it. And let me just tell you, whenever you're learning any Rav Desla essay, the answer always is going to be ultimately because that's the greatest kindness. That's the greatest chesed. What we have to work out is why. So where is the chesed? Where is the kindness in almost taking away our free will in creating bad habits? The answer for this is actually quite deep. And to really answer this, we have to go all the way back to the fourth verse in the Torah. Hashem created the light, and yet he separated it. What does it mean, he separated it? Says Rashi, bringing a medrash. Hashem said that this light is not appropriate for a shoyim to use. It's not appropriate that people who are not fitting should have this light. And therefore, he separated it and said, in the future... For Sadikim, they can have the light, but everyone else, you can't have that light. Now, what, what, what does that mean? What, well, let's have a look at it. First of all, what is the light? The light is truth. Hashem says, you can't have the truth unless you're a Tzaddik. Now, it's not that he holds it back and says, nah, 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 you can't have this. You're not ready for this. No, it's not good enough for the likes of you. It's not that. Is it good to have the truth or not? And the answer is, well, it depends. Can you handle the truth? If you use the truth and now you have the truth, you're going to use it to grow, then the truth is great and you should have it. But what happens if you're not ready to hear the truth? In that scenario, it is better that you're living in the dark. Hashem says, I have this truth here. But I'm going to hold it back for people who are not ready to hear it. Not as a punishment, but because it's not in your own interest. When you're ready to hear it, then I'll give it to you. And now let's bring this back to the concept of habit. When you do an Avera once, what do you have? Classic Jewish guilt. I think we should really be looking at guilt differently to how perhaps we're looking at it at the moment. When we have Jewish guilt, we, we feel kind of depressed. Great. I'm rubbish. No. 
If you have a feeling of Jewish guilt, it means you are having a one-to-one with a Kodesh Baruch Hu. If you feel guilty, Hashem is speaking to you. I'm giving you the truth because you're ready to hear it. The only time you should really be upset is when you don't feel guilty. It's like it's like a Jewish mother who's feeling guilty because she's not feeling guilty. Why does Hashem give us a truth? To make us grow. We can take it and we can use it to grow. But what happens if someone has the truth in front of them and says, meh, I, I, I'm not interested. So Hashem perhaps will give them a truth again. But now they're just going meh and they're ignoring it again. If you have the truth and you ignore it, imagine going to the next world and Hashem will say, why did you do that? You can't answer what I never knew because you knew and yet you ignored the message. So if Hashem is trying to give someone a message and the person's not picking up a message, what would now be the kindest thing to do? Well, Nebuch. The kindest thing to do would be to give mitigation. You know, there's, you know, in, in, in normal case, the court case, you have guilty, not guilty. But there's also not only the defense, but there's also, and most of the court cases actually dealing with mitigation. Yes, the person did the crime, but what factors do we have to lessen the crime? The person was tired, the person was under the influence, the person was coaxed into doing it. It's not a defense, but it's a mitigation. It reduces the crime. If Hashem sees that a person is not taking the message, then Hashem says, okay, well, I guess you're not ready to hear the truth. It will be better for you if the light is turned down, you're living more in the dark, and now you don't realize how bad it is, because now you have mitigation. What you see then is having a habit, there's two sides to it. On the one side, there's a mitigation, and Hashem is almost reducing our liability. On the other side, Nebuch, once you've got a bad habit, it is really hard to get out of it. And we see the same idea as well in the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Hashem gives us a Beis HaMikdash. We do our veyras. So what happens? Hashem says, I'm taking away the Beis HaMikdash. Why? If we were doing, if we were doing things wrong when the Beis HaMikdash was around, Kol Shiken, how much more so we're going to do things wrong when there's no Beis HaMikdash? Why do that? Answer is... When there's a Beis HaMikdash, we have the truth. When we're ready for the truth, then great, have a Beis HaMikdash. But if you're not ready to hear the truth, then the kindest thing Hashem could do is to take away that. You're living in Galus, you're living in exile, and now we have mitigation. And this also, the same idea, we see this this recurring theme, Mitzvah Goreres Mitzvah, Avera Goreres Avera. If you do a Mitzvah, you're going to do more Mitzvahs. If you do an Avera, you do more Averas. Why? Why would Hashem create it that if you do an Aveira, then it's going to lead you to do more Aveiras? Hashem could have created the world that you do an Aveira, then you do more mitzvahs. Answer is, you do an Aveira, you're in the dark. And Hashem increases the dark, increases the dark. More and more. Why? As mitigation. Even with Pharaoh, Hashem is giving mitigation. And I think we can actually, with an analogy, put this all together. Imagine the scene, you have a child who just can't wake up for school. So you're going to put an alarm clock in. Put the alarm clock in, child doesn't wake up. Okay, I guess we're going to put it louder. A louder alarm clock, child still sleeps in. Louder, 
Charles Heaps in. You put one of the a massive, you know, I don't know what you know, huge, one of the biggest alarm you've ever heard, and you put it in. The child still doesn't wake up. Now you could put the volume up even louder. You could be able to get these speaker systems, put it right next to the child's ear. But if you do that, you're forcing the child to wake up. There's no free will involved, and that will ruin the whole point. The, 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 there's no gain in making a child wake up if the, if it's coercion. You want the alarm clock to be an alarm to inspire the child to wake up, not that the, the actual the vibrations of the sound waves are going to force a child out of bed. So if you're putting the volume up louder and louder and louder and louder, you get to a certain point where there's no free will. So what are you going to do? So you give your child some paracetamol to have so the child can with, withstand the pain. Hashem turns up the temperature and makes it harder and harder for Paro. Why? He makes the alarm clock louder and louder. Come on, let them go. But now Hashem's concerned. I put the volume up so much, there's no free will. You know what? I'll give Paro a paracetamol. I'll toughen him up so we can take it. Now that's one option, but there's another option you can also do. If you really are sure that your child is not going to listen, not going to wake up the alarm clock, then you know what you can do? As opposed to making the alarm clock louder, you make it quieter and you turn it off. Turn it off. But then there's no chance the child's going to make it in school. You're right. But now when the child goes to school and is asked, why are you late? They have a mitigation. I never had an alarm clock. Those are the two options. Make it louder and louder, but don't take away the free will. Give a paracetamol or make it quieter and quieter. And now you have mitigation. The one message, practical message, that we can take for ourselves. Next time you do an Aveira, please God, never. But if you do an Aveira and you feel guilty, celebrate. Don't let it deflate you. Rather, the opposite. Celebrate realizing I am alive. Hashem is talking to me. I am open to MS. So when we don't feel guilty, that's when we've got to start worrying. Until next time, be great, be a giver, and relish in your Jewish guilt. Good Shabbos.